0: Welcome everybody to the Governance Evaluator and the Australia Centre for Healthcare Governance webinar, The Importance of Induction, Driving a Culture of Contribution. So I'd like to welcome my co-presenter today, Joanne Morfurt. Joanne is the Executive Director of the Australian Centre for Healthcare Governance He's also the director of projects and consulting at the Victorian Healthcare Association. We proudly partner with Joanne and her team at the Australian Centre for Healthcare Governance to provide the expert independent convening role for the health and human services sector for all of our governance programs, but they also provide governance consulting and education programs as well. Joanne started her career as an allied health practitioner and had significant senior management roles in quality and risk in Melbourne at some of their largest hospitals. She now consults widely on clinical, corporate and integrity governance with large regional, medium and small rural health services. And she herself sits on both a health service and a community service board. So it's with great pleasure that I'd like to hand over to Joanne, who's going to talk to us today about what's happened that makes induction so important. What does good induction look like? And then I'm going to have the privilege of presenting to you all a fabulous induction trial.
1: Before I start, thank you very much for that introduction, Fee, and I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which everybody is meeting. At the moment, you might be in all different parts of the, of the state, but we need to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. So I'd like to make a few comments, first of all, about what has changed in the governance landscape and, and why has governance come under increased scrutiny? Because this is really one of the reasons why we need to be thinking very carefully about what a good induction is. I'm sure you're all aware of the findings from the Banking Royal Commission that really raised some concerns around board behaviour, about the culture of boards, about their practices and about the way they were monitoring uh, the performance of the organisations and receiving appropriate assurance. At the moment we're experiencing the Aged Care Royal Commission and although that's currently in suspension and we're waiting for some of the detailed findings to come to light, there's already been some serious questions raised about the governance practices of boards in the aged care sector. And as a result of the Royal Commissions that we've had recently, the ASX has increased their focus on director responsibility. So, there's a lot of concern around culture and practice at a board level, around the lack of appropriate skills and governance capability that sits with boards, and the need to make sure that we've got a highly skilled and highly functioning board that can provide appropriate governance oversight to an organisation. As a result of what happened in Victoria a number of years ago at Warra Health Service, we've seen some sweeping reform in the health sector around governance practice and that's now starting to spread to the community sector as well. So anyone who's read the Targeting Zero review, uh, which is often called the Duckett review, there were some very specific recommendations made around boards in the health sector, around ensuring that there was appropriate appointment of skilled directors that there were skills matrices that were filled out regularly to look at what the gaps in skill and experience might be on a board and to recruit appropriately to those gaps. There was also a recommendation around ensuring appropriate induction and that that should happen not only locally, but more broadly in the health sector from a health sector perspective. And there was also a recommendation in there about board tenure to ensure that there was a nine-year cap in the health sector so that there was regular refreshment and changeover of the board so that the board didn't become stale and fixed in its ways. The Health Services Act has been strengthened to support some of those recommendations, particularly around the period of tenure. And most of you who work in the health sector would have seen the clinical governance framework, which has been introduced to improve the way we govern our clinical services. And more recently, we've seen the quality governance framework, which echoes the clinical governance framework, but has been modified to suit that community sector environment. So what does a typical board induction program look like? I'm sure many of you would relate to this particular cartoon here. And I certainly had that experience in one of the boards that I'm on where my first day I was basically handed a huge folder of information and told to go away and read it and come back if I had any questions. Needless to say, I never got through to the bottom of that big folder. It was just overwhelming. So how do we make sure that we're setting our new board directors up for success? So I believe the key elements of a good induction program should include a director induction, there needs to be an induction to the board, a good orientation process to the actual organisation and all of this should be supported by a structured onboarding process to make sure that the person's getting the best possible experience. Now in the work that I've been doing over the recent years around looking at boards and seeing how they do their induction, what I find is most boards are Not so bad at doing the director induction, usually very good at doing the orientation to the organisation, but hopeless at doing the board induction and not so great at doing the onboarding process. And I'm yet to see an organisation that's really got all of those elements right. So what does director induction actually mean? It's the process of around ensuring that the director Find out all of the things that they need to know about being a non-executive director with the organisation. So what is their actual role? What are the duties of that director? And what are the performance expectations? How, do you, how are they expected to behave in meetings? Do they know that they're meant to be challenging and asking questions? Do they understand that they have a fiduciary duty, that there's certain requirements about making sure they meet the duties of being a director, and they have legal obligations associated with that? Do they understand the difference between being a non-executive director and a manager in the organisation, so that they have that clear distinction between strategy and operations? And do they know what the local rules are? Do they know the rules of engagement for that particular board? What are the expectations around their attendance, for example? How do they put in an apology if they're unable to attend? Are they able to attend via remote options if they're unable to be physically in the room? And what are the standards around that? And there's also a range of key documentation that should be are part of that. So for example, what's their confidentiality agreement that they might need to sign? Do they have a declaration of conflicts of interest document that needs to be filled in? Have they completed the fit and proper person documentation that's required for being associated with a government board, their police check, working with children check, etc. All of those things that are related to their role as a board director. So from a board induction, what's the difference there? So how does the board conduct its business? What are the details of the the board's role and its function within that organisation? How does a board director role differ from the chair director role? In a board environment, being the chair is not just about managing the meeting. It's around managing the dynamics of the board and managing the performance of the board directors and having that strong relationship with the CEO. Does the new director understand what the board operational practices and processes are? For example, how does that particular board work? So if you have a question, do you have to ask that question via the chair or can you just address it to the meeting? What what are the, the rules of conduct around that particular board? It's really important for the board director to understand what the delegation of authority is for the board so that they understand their role in decision making. Uh, what are the key policies and procedures that guard the way that um, particular board functions? So for example, the management of director's expenses, use of mobile devices, treatment of gifts and hospitality. What are the board rules around that? What are the tools and processes that the board uses? So. How do they work their agenda? How do you get items onto the agenda? How are the minutes recorded? How do you receive that information? What are those local processes that are really important? And what's the committee structure for that particular board? What are the governing committees? How do they report into the board? How do they provide the information that's required? And how does the board work its own schedule in terms of how frequently it meets, What's the relationship between the board meetings and when the subcommittees meet? What does their annual calendar look like? And what are the key contacts? So what's all the information that's really important that that new director understands about the way the board works? Then we have the organisation induction. So this is where the director gets to understand how the organisation ticks and what's important about the organisation. So what's the core business of the organisation and where is it done? How many sites does it have? How do those sites relate to each other? What's the main site? What are satellite sites? How does that organisation get its income or how is it funded? Who are the key stakeholders that it's important for that organisation to maintain a relationship with? And I'm not just talking about the community here, I'm also talking about government, other local businesses, other government organisations. Who are those key stakeholders that it's important that the board director is aware of? What are the community demographics and characteristics or who are their key customers and clients? What's the relevant corporate history that it's really important for the new director to be aware of? What are the future plans going forward? Where does that organisation want to go? And what are the challenges and opportunities that the is facing over the next period of time? Now the onboarding process, as I mentioned, is critical to this because if you try and just do those three induction processes on their own, and don't have them supported by a good onboarding process, you're not really setting that director up to be successful. So the first three months is where you might be looking at your site tours. So they get around, meet all of the key personnel on those site tours, meet with critical executive directors, understand the way the executive and the board interact, And you might establish your support process there. And a lot of boards are now working with a buddy process where a new director is assigned and more experienced director from within the board. And that buddy process allows the new director to have somebody to go and speak to directly if they have questions or to debrief about a board meeting or to to catch up just for a coffee to ask a few general questions about how the board's going and have a general conversation. So in that first three months, it's really important that you decide what sort of support process you're going to put in place. In the next three to six months, it's really important to have meetings with key executives that are instructional. So you might meet with the CFO, for example, to go through the finances, understand the reporting process that the finance department uses with the board, make sure that that uh, new director is really clear on how it works. They might meet with the senior HR Manager, for example, as well, to understand the metrics that they use to report on occupational health and safety or staff engagement, etc. so those are really targeted meetings it 's also really important to have a process around understanding the governance committees and I often suggest to new directors that they should sit down with the chair of the subcommittee, be it the audit and risk committee, be it the quality committee, and go through a set of papers with them. So they've got the opportunity to ask the questions, understand the data that's being reported in that environment, and get to know a bit more about how that particular subcommittee ticks and how it reports into that larger board environment. And it's also important to continue with that support process. So if a buddy has been assigned, there's an opportunity for the new director to meet with that buddy to, again, raise queries, ask questions, perhaps even get a bit of feedback on how they're performing at this stage of the game. Also important in that three to six months to build rapport with board members. I think everybody lives busy lives these days, and we have often very jam-packed board meetings with lots of papers to get through, lots of decisions to be made, lots of information to be processed. And you don't often get time just to have a general conversation and get to know the other board members around you. So I always encourage new board members to catch up with their fellow board directors informally just for a coffee and a chat to get to know them so that they can build that rapport, which builds the whole board as a team. And then six month onwards is that's when that new director should be really starting to hit their straps and becoming a functional board member. But it's really important that we make sure that they're settling in and that they have all the information that they need to be effective. So I always encourage the board chair or the deputy chair to catch up with that new director, have a coffee with them, ask how they're going. Do they have any gaps? Are there any things that they're uncomfortable about? Is there any information that they need? Have they had any challenges understanding any of the board processes or any of the functions or structures of the way the board's working? Do they have any concerns about their own performance that they want to talk to the chair about? Or maybe the chair might have some feedback that they want to give them about how they're performing at this stage in the game, maybe some suggestions that they might like to uh, share with them about how they could improve their performance. Really important that you have that check-in process. It's important that we continue the support process as well. If they've had the buddy assigned, the buddy's job doesn't stop after the first or second meeting. I think that buddy process should continue for that whole 12 months so that that new director's got somebody that they can troubleshoot with. And it's also important that if the director has identified some areas that they feel they need to brush up on, they need more information, or they want to expand their knowledge in a particular area. And and for example, I've found that on health boards, there are a lot of people that don't come from a clinical background that find clinical governance a little bit daunting. So they often want to find out more about clinical governance and what does that mean. really important that at that check-in point that the director alerts the chair to those areas that they want to improve on or find out more about. And the chair actually talks to the director about what the options are, whether there might be some ongoing education and training that they might like to consider, whether they have an expert or somebody else that they know on another board who might be able to give them some guidance or a little bit more information, or whether they might want to look at setting up some reading for them, some resources or articles that might help them with that particular knowledge. And I think if you've got those three areas of induction, so looking at the director, looking at the board, looking at the organisation, and you've got a solid onboarding process, you can say that you've nailed that whole induction program and your new director will be fit, ready, up and running in no time at all, which is so important, particularly if you're onboarding two or three new directors at the same time. The board can't afford to stop their business to wait for the new directors to catch up. It's got to keep going. It's got to keep providing that strategic direction to the organisation. So it's critical that those new directors are hitting their straps and performing to the top of their game as quickly as possible.
0: Thank you you so so much, much, Joanne. Joanne. That's That's terrific. terrific. So I'd just like to follow follow up up with Joanne's Joanne's very wise wise advice advice. and interesting points with a case study about how Chair Marianne Pulley-Vogels and the Tim and District Healthcare Service Board has transformed new director induction to drive a culture of contribution. So what I'm just going to present is a case study of how has that actually happened over the last year? So let's talk about the background. So mary in her role as a new chair, did not have personal skills and experience herself in the health sector. And she said that the induction program that she'd done was actually not satisfactory. There's all those things that Joanne's just talked about. Large manual, who reads that? A health organisation is complex and Not long after getting into the induction program, it felt like the program was actually forgotten. When she looked out, there was actually no agreed process for director induction across the sector. In her particular case, it was the health sector, but I think that stands for most sectors, that most organisations tend to do their own thing. Directors were not onboarding quickly enough, so that they could contribute well. And we certainly know there's some really good directors out there, but without good induction, you don't tend to bring your background to the table quickly enough. And the board itself actually had to slow down for the directors to catch up. The other thing that Marianne felt very strongly about was that not just the induction program for the directors needed to be improved, but also development for the whole of the board. He also had a director who'd actually commenced the year before, same as her, and their experience was not great with induction as well. This particular director had a very strong health sector background, so you'd think that they would just sail into this board without any problems. But in actual fact, what we discovered when we started this trial was they were actually a little confused about their role, they weren't engaged, and even though they had great health sector background, they were a little afraid to contribute. So what were the goals that Mary Ann and the board set out that they wanted to achieve in this trial? They wanted to make sure that the plethora of resources that were already available across the sector, and this isn't just so in health sector, it is so in many sectors that there's a lot of stuff being used out there, but it's not necessarily coordinated. And Marianne's goal was that it needed to be coordinated. For example, they were using the Governance Evaluator Program, the Department of Health and Human Services had some fantastic things like the Director's School Kit, there was the own Hospitals Association, and the ACHG that also did great education. All of these things needed to be combined. She also thought that it was really important to commence this program before the director started on the board, before they actually attended their first board meeting, your induction program should start. And there was also a real desire by this organisation that there was a sector-wide program, that by doing it sector-wide, you actually could lead on the continuous review and development of the program. You could, as a group, actually look at it and improve it. There was also real goals for the directors. They needed to feel welcome, aware, engaged, confident to contribute, know their organisation's top risks, onboard quickly, that it wasn't just a program that engaged the new directors, that all of the board was involved. And importantly, it provided leadership for the sector-wide approach. In other words, it highlighted education and support services required, and that actually would eliminate guesswork and wasted resources. The methodology was that there were three new directors announced by the minister that are about to start, and also the previous director would be involved, who'd started the year before. Straight away, prior to attending the first board meeting, they all completed their director development and skills matrix questionnaire. This highlighted their skills, not just professionally, but also for their sector, for culture, contribution and development requirements. And the directors actually really understood their own gap and their own great skills and experience before they started. Initially, after this was done, there was a tailored induction plan built that talked about all the sorts of things that Joanne's just mentioned. The rest of the board also completed this same questionnaire, but not building a complex plan, an induction plan, but building their own, director development plans. The initial feedback from the chair was that the chair immediately felt informed about the director's skills and experience and her whole board and was able to plan. An appropriate buddy was chosen and the plan itself was supported and transparent to the whole board and importantly the CEO. This was through the fact that all of those plans rolled up into one plan which were part of the board papers and were kept alive, and everybody looked at them. There was a clear line of sight and accountability. The initial feedback from the directors was great. This is a professional organisation. They're aware of their roles. There's a clear and easy map to follow across the year. and For the director who'd started the year before, a huge improvement on the prior program. The initial feedback from the directors was that they actually understood their own skills and experience so they knew what to bring to the boardroom table. And the whole board was involved in their induction and that way they felt everybody cared. Importantly, we checked in six months later and all of the directors involved talked about a culture of contribution. They felt that this program gave them confidence and they actually contributed to the board meeting more quickly. They knew what their skills were They knew what their skills weren't and they knew how to use those at the boardroom table. They were more knowledgeable about the business that they were coming into. And they also got the right buddy. And that's a really important thing, to help you be more knowledgeable about the organisation. There's a real risk about not knowing the business you're in. They contributed, actually, to building the whole board team. In other words, by this process being available to everybody, my um, feedback was at six months was that it actually made the whole board get together and be talking about things a lot more. It improved director leadership skills on the board. In particular, director who'd been involved in induction the year before was actually, because she had very high health sector skills, the chair of an important sub-board committee. But this program actually enabled her to be supported and become a better chair of that committee. Overall, the directors felt that they were set up for success. And 12 months later, what was the feedback from Marianne herself? We possibly have two directors, two new directors coming in June, so let's get ready to start the program again. So I think in a nutshell, what this is telling us is that it's really important to consider starting their induction program before they start on the board, doing it based around their skills and involving the whole team in this process. So great leadership by Tim Boone and District Healthcare Service and their chair, Marianne, well done. So what we'd like to look at now with everybody is, are there any questions? Joanne, one of the questions is around what about past year one? What about next steps? Do you have any tips for that? Do you think induction is something that should just keep on going?
1: I think that hopefully the new board director has developed enough of a rapport and relationships with other board directors, as well as their buddy and the chair in that first 12 months, that they would feel comfortable enough to ask any questions and to go and seek out more information. Of course, there's still a role for the board chair as uh, basically the the head of the board and the person who oversees the performance of all the directors to have regular conversations and catch-ups with that director to make sure that they're comfortable, that they're performing in the way they should be and to provide them any feedback. So that should be an ongoing process anyway, but I would like to think that after 12 months that new director is starting to feel like they've got their feet on the ground and they've developed enough of a relationship with the other board directors that they don't need a specific
0: induction program. Terrific, thank you. Look there are some more questions and what I'll do is I'll take those on board and follow up with people accordingly. Please feel free to follow up, have a chat with us, have a discussion about anything. We wish you good luck in your future induction programs. It's a really important way to onboard our fabulous directors more quickly and also to build a culture of contribution in your board. Thank you very much.